there. It's me again. We're back with Dr. D's social network. And today is a special day because today is our 50th episode. You know, when I started this podcast a while ago, I didn't really have any expectations. I just wanted to put out good content, have great people, and we've so far accomplished that. And today's guest is Michelle Collins. And Michelle was one of our first guests on the podcast, and she is still to this day the most downloaded episode, her appearance. Uh, through the first 50 episodes and I thought it was just appropriate to bring her back because she's just such a wonderful person and her episode which you can listen to um, go back in the catalog was just so raw so real so uh, beautiful it was a beautiful struggle and I think that's that's human beings we struggle we win we lose we cry we laugh we love we have heartbreak Michelle has experienced all of those things and more. And so it's just a pleasure to know her and to have contact with her outside of the podcast, texting, phone calls, and growing our friendship and our networking connection. And I love sending people Michelle's way to talk to her. She's just a wealth of information. It's very kind, caring, and someone I think all my listeners should connect to and, uh, and have a relationship with on some level. And we pick up with our episode today, uh, a little bit of a semi-recap of what we did last time, what we talked about last time, and uh, and moving forward and talking about where she is in her life after that conversation, the feedback, the reaction, and uh, a lot of talk about deep listening and love and being ready for partnerships. So without further ado, please enjoy listening to Michelle Collins. Okay, now it's happy 50th. <laughs> happy 50th. I'm so excited for you. Your podcasts have been amazing, I have to oh, say. I, I haven't you. listened to all of them, but um, every single one I listen to, and I love the diversity too. They're not oh, all cool. about fitness. They're not all no. about you know a, a particular topic. And the range of guests that you have had it's people I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't pick a podcast by somebody who say was 22 and just graduated from college. And, but I learned so much, even though I have my own 23 year old daughter, but, um, <laughs> I learned so much listening to that, that one. And, you know, just a different perspective, a different person, a different place in life. Uh, it, it's great. I mean, you are bringing together just this incredibly diverse tribe. I love it. Oh, thank you, Michelle. That that means quite a bit. I think, you know, it's kind of been my goal is I've always wanted to have just a wide range of guests. And to me, health and wellness is such a wide, um, you know, industry. It's not just fitness or nutrition and stuff. So, but also I want to have people real seasoned in the business and people who are just starting. And I want to have like dating coaches and I want to have <laughs> psychologists and all different type of people and just keep it interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what each individual guest brings is a different piece to the puzzle of health and wellness that your guests, you know, your listeners are going to connect to some and not to others. So they'll, they'll hear what they were meant to hear and, and having a wider variety will bring in more listeners and 
give them a different way of looking at things, which I really appreciate. We, we get so niched out with, you know, we think that social media and the internet, uh, Google is so, so broad, right? We're so able right. to access all of the information in the world. But I, I believe it can also do very much the opposite uh, you know, because you can put in your keywords and the only thing you're ever going to see or learn about is your specific topic that you asked for. So I, you know, it's not like in the old days when we read the newspaper and there was stuff in the newspaper I wasn't interested in at all. Yeah. But you're exposed to that information. So yeah, I appreciate you that Thank about you. your podcast. Thank you. I, you know, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to keep it going. I mean, I've done a lot of research on podcasting, and I, I think the results have been very interesting, what I found out. I'm a big research read articles guy, and most of what I read is that is that most people, I guess there's a term called pod fading. I don't know if you've ever heard of this term before. I haven't, but I'm... it's But basically, it's like after seven is the magic number. Like most people's podcasts, they stop producing after seven episodes. It's crazy. Oh. And so they pod fade. So if you look at a lot of podcasts on, let's say, Apple Podcasts, like a lot of them aren't updated regularly. It's, uh, you know, maybe 2018 or maybe one in 2019 or a few. So if you make it past seven, like you're doing really well, you know. Oh, that's interesting. No, I did not realize that. I haven't really done a lot other than listen and be interviewed for a few. I haven't done a lot of researching in the world of podcasts. It's strange because it's really popular. There's like 550,000 podcasts circulating on the internet, but only I think 40 to 60% of them are not updated. So you kind of have this like podcast wasteland of just like this graveyard of stuff that was started and then it's just dead. And then you have another half of people who are producing content um, pretty regularly. And, and, and mine is a pretty regular. I'm pumping out stuff constantly. <laughs> so people are like, I can't listen to all these. It's, it's just too much. Yeah. I'm like, you don't have to listen to all of them. Not everything's going to be an interest to you, you know, but, you know, pick and choose what you like. Well, and I think that's really important for everyone to keep in mind because it's so easy to go into information overload these days, you know, and have, you know, I'll get 300 emails a day. You think I can read 300 emails? <laughs> and then for those of us who are trying to grow businesses in the social media world, you know, I'm supposed to be uh, posting every day on Instagram more than once, right. on Facebook and on my website and on LinkedIn and um, so if I'm spending all that time posting, then I also want to read other people's posts. And right. I mean, it, it, you have to filter, you have to filter and focus, um, yeah. or, and, and just realize that, you know, you set a timer or you set a number, I'm going to read three articles. That's what I do. Cause mm -hmm. I love to read and I, I will spend my entire day on my computer geeking out from one article to another. <laughs> you know, I click a link in an article to go to another article. That's right. Um, and I have to put a limit on it because I love to learn, but you, you know, I think you can only take in so much. I know I can. Uh, and there's only so many hours in a day last time I checked. It's pretty interesting. I think you really like this last podcast I recorded yesterday for this, uh, Liam McClintock. Uh, you, I think you'll definitely connect with it. It's this guy has this company, FitMind, 
And it's uh, basically an app of meditation and all this stuff. And he's done all these retreats like Bali and all that. And we talked a lot about taking in information, the bites of information, huge research guy, um, just really incredible, like talk about information and how we take in information and where we are in the information age and and how we disconnect. And we started talking about flow therapy. You know, my podcast, we used to start going weird places. <laughs> we started doing a bunch of stuff. And we were just talking about all these things. And I, in my mind, when I was having the conversation, I was like, Michelle Collins would be all about this one. She'll be all about this one. I'm sure I will. Uh, it comes out tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? And you yeah. just recorded it yesterday? No, sorry. What I'm getting crossed up. No, last week. Sorry. I recorded oh, a different um, one. Oh, I'm getting so confused. Oh, I have so many guests. I'm constantly You know, I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, how you, if it's even possible, which I, I doubt it, even keep everyone's stories straight. Like, do you have a big <laughs> spreadsheet or a big, you know, do you go back and review? Because if you've had 50 guests or 49 since I'm on here twice now. Yeah. I wonder about that, keeping all of that straight. You must have, you know, files or something like for your personal trainer um, uh, business, you must have. Yeah, files. I have electronic files. Yeah. Uh, but for the podcast, it's like the only thing I do in my life that I'm like flying by the seat of my pants. Like <laughs> there's no files for anybody who's been on here. I just, you know what it is? I basically in every podcast, I kind of talk a little bit about another podcast I had. Oh, that reminded me of that person I talked to. And I just remember, for some reason, I just remember the different people. I tend to, I tend to remember these episodes a lot because of the length of the conversation and how it made me feel and what it reminds me mm -hmm. of. Like your podcast, I remember so much about it. And like Liam's, I just, I remember his, I remember everything from Julia's or um, Christina Tarantola. Like, I just remember about like how it made me feel. And that, that emotional connection seems to resonate with me in remembering who was on mm -hmm. here, but scheduling it is, can be like, okay, cause I'm have to reschedule people, schedule people. What about this day, that day, you know, and stuff like that. That's the hardest part, I would say. Yeah, you're definitely hurting cats with this thing. And especially <laughs> the, the volume of the, uh, you know, just the sheer number of podcasts you put out. It's amazing. I think it's you're doing be... it just you. I mean, just most, me. most people that are this prolific will have some kind of production team. Yeah. You know, a studio that can help them. and not at all for me. It's literally just me. And then the editing is doesn't, I've gotten pretty good at the editing. So I don't, it doesn't take long for me to do that anymore. Um, but I think just, I always have guests lined up and that's probably the, a lot of the work is just lining up guests, but it's mm -hmm. not, hasn't been that hard for me to do that. And it's catching fire. Um, you know, I got asked by uh, a big LinkedIn group that has 50,000 people in it to start submitting my podcast in there every time I, you know, release it. So it's going to a lot of people on a regular basis. Wow. Um, now, but your That's podcast so was the beginning. Thank you. Yours was the beginning <laughs> because yours went nuts when I released it. And I was like, whoa, these are the stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, it's interesting to come back for the second time because uh, now I've had many people in my world give me feedback about that podcast. 
And uh, so actually, I, I meant to right when we started, but we got sidetracked by that technical issue. I meant to um, give a shout out to my daughters. I need to talk to them first. <laughs> so Rachel, Hannah and Talia, I love you. And uh, thanks for listening. And I understand all of your uh, feedback. And I appreciate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's too long was part of it. Um, but yeah, so I, <laughs> I just have to say hi. And I love you to my daughters. That, that's how, how I have to start. So yes, I'll tell yes. them to just skip a few minutes of it. <laughs> Well, they're young, right? I mean, they, you know, people have short attention spans on some things. Yes. You know? Yeah. In fact, my youngest daughter told me she sat down to listen to my podcast with her friend, and they listened to the first few minutes, and then she said, and we got bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, she was 16 at the time. She's 17 oh, now. Man. I said, yeah. you know, it's okay. You'll you'll hear what you're meant to hear. And if it, I think it would have been really hard for her to listen to that first podcast anyway. You know, so many details that uh, she lived through it. She doesn't need to hear it again. You know what's funny about that? I think that, like, if I was 16 and I was listening to my own podcast, I probably wouldn't listen that much to it, like what I'm producing now. Mm-hmm. But as a 41-year-old man, I find a lot of these topics very interesting, and I want to listen to it on a longer format. So I totally get it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And it's just going to reach some people and some people, maybe they'll come back to it and listen to their mom 10 years from now and go, you know what, I'm ready to listen to it on, a, on the whole thing this time. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be there. Yeah. I mean, you know, so. Right. And, and that's what, you know, I, I know that all of my kids have a lot to process and deal with. Uh, and they have to do it in their own way at, you know, the age they are. I mean, these things happened to me when, you know, my second husband died when I was 50. And, you know, they were all just teenagers or just barely 20. Yeah. Uh, my oldest daughter was 20. And, it, you know, you, you grieve and uh, deal with trauma in a very different way at that age. I think it, it's beautiful because you have a, a different set of, skills for resilience at that age you know Mm -hmm. a lot of times you just push it aside and you're like I'm just gonna live my teenage life and not you know and then um, you can come up and deal with it when you're in your 40s or 30s (laughs) 50s I, I think that the world is actually getting more and more conscious about that specific uh topic of childhood trauma now mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of studies coming out um about child, how trauma during childhood can affect you as an adult uh, specifically your physical health not just your mental health it's really interesting stuff and it's just starting to to reach mainstream and um a lot of scientific studies coming out. So really interesting. And, you know, a lot of times we can't prevent or protect our children from trauma. So then what we need to do as parents is instill, you know, self-efficacy skills so that when challenges come along in life that they can get through them with as much health and wellness as possible. And it's hard as a parent especially now with all the, yeah. you know, all the exposure, like we were talking to about, you know, a, a kid can watch 
things that never would have been broadcast on the news when we were little, you know, just sitting in their room on their phone. And it's, it can be traumatic. It can be actually it's, um, see, this stuff reminds me of other podcasts that I've had because mm -hmm. I try to have all these wide range of people. Like I had Dr. Dora Wolf on, and I'm not sure if you listen to hers, but, um, she's a licensed, she's a licensed clinical psychologist. And a majority of our early discussion on the podcast was about trauma and trauma related to childhood and her research into it and her work with people, um, as they've aged and, and being in therapy, discussing that trauma and, and her work in pre-trauma. And so it's, and then I talked to another licensed clinical psychologist, uh, Lauren Fisher recently, her episode, we talked about that and trauma. So it's definitely something that has become more, um, open for people to discuss. And it's, it's a central topic for a lot of psychologists, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I love the fact that that work is coming to the surface now and, you know, it's really, my impression now, I'm not a psychologist, so they're going to know more, um, you know, of course, professionally than I do. But what I know from my own experience is when I, after Glenn died, and for the listeners who aren't, uh, who didn't listen to my earlier story, so one of the things that I shared when I was on the podcast before is in 2016, I was in my second marriage and my husband died by suicide. And that was the beginning of, you know, a, a pretty terrible journey for me. And what I realized about four or five months later, after he died, I was diagnosed with PTSD from the trauma around the end of his life. And when I went into trauma therapy, which is a very specific thing, I actually switched therapists to someone who specialized in trauma and did some very specific techniques uh, to, for trauma recovery, just focused on that, um, childhood trauma came out. And before that time, I, I would have told you I had an absolutely idyllic childhood. I would have told you there was no mm. trauma. I mean, there was normal, you know, tussling around with my siblings. Uh, but, but until you really go deep in self-searching and that type of therapy, uh, you know, you, you may be missing something that is causing you to behave in a certain way in your 40s or 50s or 30s that you didn't realize was affected by something that happened to you in your childhood. So it's been a, a, a much more of a, a journey than, than the difficult recovery from, you know, the actual event of my husband's suicide. You know, I got, I got to look at everything, every single layer. And, and it goes on. It's not like it's over. What was the, you know, in, in conjunction with that, what were, you talked about feedback after your last appearance and all the things that you discuss. Let's dive deeper into that feedback. You know, I know you talked about your daughters, but what was the <laughs> other feedback that you received from your appearance? Um, I would say, well, certainly all emotional. Um, they, there was a lot of, I can't believe what you've been through. There was a lot of, you, you know, I would get compliments 
about being brave, brave to share my story. Uh, the most important one to me was you are going to help people. By sharing your story, you are going to help people. That's why I'm doing it. And, and so that to me was very um, rewarding. It was so raw, you know, it was just so, um, you really took a step and said, you know, I'm going to be very open about this. And I think that that kind of rawness is what human beings are attracted to. They may not think they are, <laughs> you know, sometimes we go, oh, I, you know, I can't, I can't look at that or I can't listen to this and that. But I think, you know, life is filled with a variety of emotions and the depth of your storytelling about those things was very raw. It was very open. It was graphic in many ways and, and I think and, and told very well. And I think for a lot of people, my the feedback I've heard was just like it was just powerful. And like that woman is courageous to talk about this type of stuff in such detail. Cause you know people hold things in. They just they keep it and they think my pain, who cares about my pain? I gotta keep it here. I gotta present this strong personality that I'm good, I'm okay. And I think your your appearance is breaking down those walls for people like, man, she went on a show and that, that thing went out to a lot of people and she's still okay. Nothing <laughs> happened to her because she told this story like her life's not crumbling. You know, people aren't, you know, protesting that she thought she's <laughs> It's it's fine. It's honestly it's fine. Yeah. It really well, is. Well, it's it's better than fine. It's given you know it's open. It's opened channels for communication between people that maybe wouldn't have had those channels, and especially if people are considering you know doing some work on themselves, and it is work. But if somebody listens to my podcast and thinks that they may be able to live a little bit better, deeper, more authentic life, then I'm, you know, I'm really happy about that. And there, you know, like you said earlier, there would be some people who are just going to turn it off halfway through because they do not want to hear that. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay if you're not ready to do that. But what, what I keep going back to, and this is something I see every day when I'm teaching yoga and meditation is, you know, building strength. Because you can't control what happens to you. We don't all get to live happy, you know, rainbow and butterfly lives every day. <laughs> bad stuff happens. And if nothing bad happened to you, all you need to do is, you know, look at the news <laughs> or any social media channel. If you want to get really, really stressed out, you, it's very easy. It's very with easy. just the tap of a button on your phone. Even button is outdated. Just tapping the screen on your phone. Come on, Michelle. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, you can bring stress and trauma into your life so easily in looking at what's going on in the world, not even, uh, watching Avengers or whatever television show is stressing you out. I got really stressed out about Thor getting beaten up by Hulk. I have to tell you that. Really? That stressed you out? I know. You never know what's going to do it. But the, <laughs> the important thing is that when you have these you know practices daily centering practices yeah. uh you you can be more resilient and and also use better judgment for what you're exposing yourself to when you do have control like i have control i can never turn avengers on again 
I have control over that. <laughs> You're done with it. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> I'm gonna have to work. I'm gonna have to work through my, you know, stress about it. But yeah, you know, like uh, Avengers stress or something. I mean, like... exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say post trauma because really that that does a disservice. I sure. think to people who are suffering from that. But um, it, yeah, it was it was stressful for me. But Man. that's you know. But at the same time, I I can control my responses to these things so much better than I could before I went through all my um, healing and recovery time. How do you think you're still healing at this point? Like what are the challenges you're facing as you continue to move through life? Well, they never stop. At least, uh, as far as I can tell, they never stop. You know, I'm, I, my life isn't where I want it to be right now in, um, in any respect, uh, honestly. I, uh, I continue to work hard trying to grow my business. Um, I love doing podcasts, especially this one. Uh, awesome. But I, you know, and I want to do more speaking, but it's really, it's hard. It's hard to, um, I haven't quite figured out how to really expand uh, into the speaking world. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do more writing and I'm bogged down by the mechanics of publishing my book. Uh, I just, you know, I want to connect with more people and I haven't. And my personal life is also not anywhere where I want it to be. It's still in, you know, very beginnings of recovery. A lot of my relationships that were uh, just demolished by my experiences through my divorce and my second marriage mm-hmm. are still very much in reconstruction or not. You know, construction has halted for uh, whatever reason. You know, every everyone I'm trying to reconnect and you know, reconstruct relation with, you don't get to do that on your own. I I can reach out, but I can't force anyone to be in relation with me if they don't want to be. And so that, that's probably the biggest challenge for me of of all. And it's a a daily challenge. There are people that I want to be close to again, that I was Mm -hmm. close to before these things happen to me that are not respond responding to my outreach. They have decided, well, I, I don't even want to go there because I don't know what's yeah, going no, on in yeah. their in their minds. I don't know how they're feeling or what they're thinking because they won't talk to me. But there's a number of people that I was close to before that now shun me, I guess is a word I could use, or refuse to open up to relation with me because my behavior was so egregious to them. I assume again, here I am assuming what's going on with them, but without communication, I can't know. And that is a daily heartbreak for me every single day. I, I, this is an incredibly heavy weight that I bear every single day. And I, I have to do, I have to uh, you know, up-level my spiritual practices and up-level my trying to keep myself healthy because these things show up, you know, heartbreak shows up in your body as as illness. For sure. And I'm, I struggle. I struggle because I am so sensitive emotionally. And 
this is such, I'm so glad we got to this because here it is. Here, here's the bottom line. The reason we struggle, the reason that we suffer is because things aren't how we want them to be. That's it. You can just bottle that and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other reason why we suffer. So every day, Darian, I work to try to accept how things are. Hmm. Now, how has that, you know, speaking personally for when you're talking the personal aspect, how has that affected your um, your romantic or significant other relationships or your pursuit of that based off of your past? Oh, well, yeah, that's multi-layered. I have a lot of fear, first of all, um, because of my relationship with Glenn, you know, my second husband, mm-hmm. and, and of course, how it ended. Uh, gotta listen to the first podcast to hear that um yes you do <laughs> not yes, going you back do. there not going don't go there. no um, don't go back there but i think but, it's good just in general because whether it's what happened then which you can listen to people or <laughs> just divorce or breakups and difficult right. times where people have gone through a long time where they it maybe hasn't worked out for them and they're like man i'm just I don't know if I'm ever going to get back on that horse. You know, what's, right. how do I do that? I think from that perspective, it's good to discuss, you know. Exactly. And, and I do feel, you know, this is, a, this is where faith comes in. I have faith that when I am ready, uh, the man that is going to be my next partner will appear. I, I have faith that he hasn't shown up yet because I am still in this, just tremendous growth spurt. And that's, you know, we talked about this last time, the growing through trauma, growing through pain, growing through challenges. I have, and like I mentioned just a minute ago, with these daily heartbreaks that I live with, I am growing every day. I have to, every single day, figure out a way to make my life have purpose and help the people that I can reach and let go of the things I can't control. And it it is a daily practice. And as you know, just it's a perfect analogy when you work out in the gym. If you lift five pound weights every day, eventually you can move to six and seven (laughs) and eight and 10 and 50 and you keep getting stronger and stronger. So uh, that as far as the romantic, there's that there's those two pieces. There's fear which I'm, I'm work on. And then there's also the, I haven't been ready. I mean, I, I dated, I, I went out on a couple dates, uh, a year after Glenn died and, um, wow, it was, I I was so, I, it, it was such an eye opener because I had never been single basically since I was 16 years old. Wow. Always had a boyfriend. My first marriage was, we were together 22 years, uh, after we broke up, I was, I had, I dated a little bit, but I was basically single for 18 months mm-hmm. when I met Glenn. I mean, that's nothing. That's yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And well, what was, what was weird about the dating? Like, what was, I mean, you don't have to tell me obviously everything, but just like the experience, what was different for you? Oh, I, I just, I realized that I was still in trauma. I was yeah. still, you know, you don't want to go out on a date with someone and their dead husband. I was still so deep yeah. in 
in that. And I think that happens a lot too. I have a lot of friends who are divorced and they talk about mm-hmm. dating and they go out on these dates and they are also dating divorced people in general, you know, right? If you're dating in your 30s, 40s and beyond, you are probably dating someone who is also divorced. And they it's like whose divorce was worse is your mm. conversation instead of a conversation that might be elevated about what's your purpose how are you how are you um delivering to the world uh to make the world a better place and it's it's basically dating trauma therapy <laughs> or grief oh, therapy right so i right. realized that i was in no way in no way the person here's here's what i tell my divorced friends and I I very deeply believe this. If you go into a relationship in a traumatized, uh, grief-filled way, the person that shows up for that relationship will be vibrating at that frequency, right? So if you think about the law of attraction or Mm -hmm. the universal laws. So if you are grieving, you are attracting at that level. If you've done your work and you've promoted yourself out of the deep, dark, you know, uh, lower vibrating place, then you're going to meet someone, you're going to attract someone who is also in that higher place, which is why after that first dating experience, and um, I'm trying to think if I've dated since then, uh, but after that experience, I realized how ludicrous it was for me to, <laughs> in that shape to, to consider going into a relationship. I'm going to, my next partnership, uh, I, I want it to be, I'm going to take it very slow and very seriously, which is a learning experience from my last one. Uh, Glenn and I knew th- each other three months when we got married. Right. And also know that the, the bigger, more put together human being that I am when I meet him, uh, you know, if I bring a hundred percent, then he's going to bring a hundred percent and that relationship is going to be awesome. So I'm totally content now to wait. And again, f- spiritual practice and faith is what, what supports this when, on those lonely nights when I wish I had you know, I had two tickets to a concert and I didn't have anyone to go with. So I didn't go, you know, I don't have that. I know there's a lot of people who go out alone and I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing that. So I don't, but, um, you know, all of those times that I have spent, I, I just tell myself not to despair that I am alone, but not lonely. And that all of this is leading up to me being the strongest most independent, uh, incredible partner that, uh, I can be to this person when he shows up. So how do you, that's how I do you do. think, well, no, that's great. Um, how do you think you'll know when you're there? Like, just cause sometimes I think sometimes people, they, I'm not saying this for you, but they say, you know, man, when I get there, I'm working, I'm working. Sometimes they, they don't recognize when they're actually there at that point that they want to be? How do you think you'll know that you're at that point? I think that is a really great question. And two answers came to me right away. So I'm okay. going to share both of them with you. <laughs> um, but this is something I could probably think about for a week and come up with a different answer every mm-hmm. day. The first answer that occurred to me is I am going to be scared to death. 
Mm. Because I have suffered with my decision-making about relationships through my life. It is one of my incredibly, um, you know, one of my big kryptonites, say. So I will be scared to death to trust myself that this is, that it's time to open up and connect. Uh, And then the other thing, you know, it's kind of the other side of the coin is I'll just feel it. I'll just feel it. I'll know it's him. There won't be all of that. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I'm kind of, you know what I mean? I think it'll be a, a very strong yes from the universe and all of the studying that I've done and the introspection and spiritual practices that I've developed in the last many years, uh, through my trauma and challenges have gotten me very deeply in connection to what I call the big S self. Uh, Eckhart Tolle calls it the deep I, Mm -hmm. um, the, the less ego, more soul part of myself. I'm not going to say totally because I still definitely, you know, am in touch with my ego. I listen to it every day telling me what a rotten person I am or whatever, you know, egos, all that negative self-talk that you hear that, that hamstrings all of us from being the superheroes that we all are. But I think that I will be able to sit still and listen and know that it's him. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just it, think... It'll come from my heart, not my head. It'll come from my soul, not my ego. Now, what do you think would happen, though? Like, if you, you, you might think about it. Like, like you said, a week from now, that might change. What might change, potentially, a week from now, if you thought about it? Probably mind stuff would, would creep in and start giving me a list. Like, a lot of us have lists, Right. He has to be this tall and he uh-huh. has to be this employed and he has to be in this geographical situation. <laughs> and I remember after my first marriage, all I wanted was a guy that had a boat and tickets to the Oregon Ducks. Season tickets <laughs> to the Oregon Ducks. That was really my list. I'm that was the thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Yep. I wanted, to, I wanted to be boating and I wanted to go to Oregon Ducks games. And I actually did meet a guy that fulfilled both those requirements. Uh, and we had a lot of fun together, but it wasn't uh, a partnership um, possibility. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, y- you have to go a little deeper than that. But I think that that's probably what would change is um, some insecurity would creep in on a day that maybe I didn't get enough chance to meditate or I'm not feeling well physically, something like that. And I would think, um, you know, have second and third and fourth thoughts about oh, is he ever going to show up? Or, you know, if I'd met someone and, uh, oh, this, you know, the color of his car is wrong. Or, you know, he went went to a Grateful Dead concert or he didn't go to a Grateful Dead concert or he's way too into Aerosmith or, or, you know, (laughs) he watches the Kardashians or whatever it might be, you know. um, And I'd have a judgment about it. Now, this is and this is something I think about all the time, because, of course, as you know, being single uh, longer than I ever have in my lifetime, I do think Mm -hmm. about dating and meeting my next partner quite a bit. Um, And I, I think about you have to balance. In this case, judgment, you know, I'm so I'm so good at not being judgmental towards my clients or so many other exposures that I have, you know, 
leave judgment aside. But I am going to have to employ judgment to decide whether this person is going to be the right partner for me. Right. I think, but didn't I just say my soul would tell me? <laughs> well, I'm just listening. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. So I've just, I've just uh, given you the mind of a single woman in her 50s. It's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. Well, you know what's so funny is I, for some reason, I know so many people that are single in their 40s and 50s. I feel like it's, I don't know, you know, it's just interesting, the mindset of that I know a lot of men who are single in that in that age range and it's funny the guys that I know I I can't see them being married or being in a long-term relationship again and sometimes I talk to them about it and and they're like no I I would I would but it's sometimes I think like they've been alone for so long that it might be very difficult for them to reintegrate into having somebody else significant in their life on a daily basis. Um, oh yeah, and, it's and interesting. That's you know, true that, you know with what I the mean. The women too, absolutely. Yeah. I I have a lot of single uh, friends who are either divorced or widowed, and they're they're fine. It's like I don't think I'll ever go there again, and I do. I mean, I I differ from that. I do want to be in mm-hmm. partnership. I do want to share my daily life with someone. That's something I I have experienced as one of the sweetest, most wonderful things in my life, you know, to wake up with someone and to share my, just that daily junk with somebody. Yeah. Um, but the daily junk is, that's our beautiful humanity. I mean, that's, that's kind of what life's all about. The little, the little things. I want to have somebody to walk with me in the mornings when I walk my dog. I just, that just sounds like a little slice of heaven to me. So, <laughs> You know, I think that everyone's different. My guess is that a lot of people are leading with fear. Most people yeah. who are single are single because so. they have not had a good time one way or another. Maybe they were widowed and the mm-hmm. pain of that loss is something they don't ever want to put themselves in a position to experience again. Or they had a, a bad breakup. Either way. Uh, but, but I don't feel that way. Even after all I've been through. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I don't know that I'd get married again. Like, actually, that was my like, next question, by the way. Oh, was, <laughs> Are you getting married? Yet? Yeah, the legality of it. Um, I, I don't know, and and that would be something I think you can't enter into a partnership if I'm really going to get into another relationship, which, like I said, I'm hoping to. Um, I don't think you can enter into a relationship like that with that decision already made. And this is probably part of what your friends are struggling with who are saying, I don't see, I think everybody wants and desires companionship. I think it is one of our basic human needs. I agree. Totally agree. But I think you, you know, you need to fit, you, you need to find a person that fits with you and you need to be a little bit soft. If you go in with your hard and fast rules, like, oh, sorry, you don't have ducks tickets, so forget it. I'm not going to date you. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oregon duck tickets. Yeah. This is garbage. You have, you have ducks tickets, but not a boat? Sorry. You, you know, I have this list here. So 
They're like my, Oregon State. Well, they're like Oregon State. That's a deal breaker, right? <laughs> it would have been back then. It would have been. Corvallis? <laughs> what? I know. You're, you're meeting a very different person than I was six years ago. Same here. That was. <laughs> we grow. We grow. And it's important that we do. But yeah, so I think that um, if you if you do want a partnership at our age, there's a whole lot of baggage coming in. And and you don't have to bring it all and set it in between you, right? And this is why it's important that we continue to grow. That's where I'm saying my growth spurt is so big. Uh, he's going to show up when I get to that point where I am at the place he is. Um, but I think that a lot of people, change is one of the hardest things we can do, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes with a lot of fear. So... Yeah, when you think about a partnership, when you think about sharing your daily life with someone, they already have a life. And if they're in their, you know, 30s or 40s or 50s, mm-hmm. they've they've been having that life for decades. Oh, yes. And you already have a life and you've been having your life. And so if you are hardened, that's where I was saying you have to be soft and yoga will keep you flexible. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not kidding. It's not just physical flexibility. You have to be soft and you have to be open. Or I think, yeah, I think it would be really, really challenging. I think um, a lot of people I know, it's basically like they, they have, you know, they have a rhythm to their life. And when they're alone, you know, they come and go as they please. You know, they're doing whatever they want. And I think they fear not having, like having to... I'm not going to say not run it by, but just like if someone, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to spend some time? And normally you're like, no, I want to go like do whatever I normally do during this time, you know. And I think some people, they just get into that and they're like, you know, I'm good where I'm at. But then I also think that they, see, they, they probably do crave the companionship because I agree with you. Like, I think it's very hardwired into people. And it's not, it's companionship on a lot of levels, friendship, romantically, you know, networking, just groups and working with people. It's very hardwired into us. And so I think there's a tremendous amount of fear of, of sharing, you know, it's like we want to have it, but then we're scared at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's completely true. And that's why there's, that's why, you know, so many single people who are, <laughs> I swear, who are older. And, <laughs> and I think that it, it's a matter of priority. And, and for me, um, it, it will be, I will be able to prioritize it. I'm, I'm going to make the space for him because I want that beautiful connection again. And I completely under, and, and I completely understand why people are fearful and they're set, they're set right? I'm set in my ways. I don't want to change for someone. Uh Well, then, then you're not seeking a partnership. You know, maybe you want someone to go to concerts with or something and you can do that without necessarily changing your ways. But I am still holding out. I still have that romantic, you know, heart beating in my body for that partnership. And I think of it more, sure, my schedule will change. My activities will change. I'm okay with that. I think of it as an enhancement. I'm looking for him to bring, I'm going to bring some really kick-ass stuff to his life. (laughs) So he better be bringing some kick-ass stuff to my life. (laughs) 
And so we'll both have room for that and we'll both Mm -hmm. be wanting to embrace that. And so, yeah, so I think that it's, it's a prior prioritizing um, situation. Well, what if it didn't happen? What if it didn't happen for you? You mean for me personally? Yeah. What if you never got with somebody? Then I'll just keep doing, you know, keep, keep doing my life the way it is and hopefully learn and grow. You know, I, I do want to, and I have started making some more friends, uh, that are more aligned with my new life. Uh, actually some of the connections you've, you've created for me, which I appreciate very much. Oh, nice. Yeah. Darian the connector. Michelle and I are new. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh man. I know so many Michelles. It's like, sometimes I'll be connecting people on text to each other. And I'm like, there's like 10 Michelles on here. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I got to differentiate this. So, you know, there's I'm a lot. so happy. So happy yeah, you guys are connecting. She's great. I can't believe how similar, uh, how much we have in common. And I was reading her book and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is so, I, you know, the content is different, but it has a lot of similarity to mine. So I'm pretty excited. Um, but yeah, so I think that uh, because, again, like I mentioned earlier, I do not have control over other people's mm-hmm. reactions to me or wanting to spend time with me or not. So I, you know, I can put it out there and hope. Uh, I mean, I do feel pretty confident that I'm going to meet someone. I do. Yeah. But if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to know I'm going to go fall back on my faith. Right. The faith that I've I've worked so incredibly hard and needed so much to develop um, in this part of my life that that was that that's it. That this isn't a time when I'm going to have a partnership and and I'll keep going. And then if time goes on and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stay open to it, though, because I do want it. But I'm not going to get. Yeah. And I'm not going to get despondent. I don't have a deadline uh, you know, and, yeah. and there's tons of examples in our world, precedents set by people who were single for 30 years and then fell in love in their 70s or 80s. And Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, like I said, he will show up when it's time. I think it's a desperation. Like you see sometimes people, they get real desperate because they feel like they're a certain age. And that age they feel is like, um, like this, like they're crossing some finish line that they've created like well now i'm just too old or, oh yeah no but you know people create these barriers for themselves based off of like their age or how they look or whatever it is a lot of it's age i always see people oh, you know i'm this age i'm 38 or whatever or i'm i'm 50 you know the window's so small for me type of thing people create these barriers and then they their choices are reflected in the barriers that they create so then they just they get real desperate and then they just get with somebody because of that barrier that they have created. It, yes, that's exactly right. You're, you're creating, you're making me think of the law of attraction with that. Yeah. You're, you do. You, if you decide you're never going to find a partner, chances are you're never going to find a partner. <laughs> right. Uh, we don't realize how much power our thoughts have. I've, I've been geeking out lately on Wayne Dyer, and I was really hoping this yeah. would come up during the podcast today. So, of course, it came up. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't, are you familiar with his work? I am. Yeah. yeah. 
Of course you are. <laughs> so, so I, for some reason, have been binge, binge, uh, audio booking Wayne Dyer's books and they have been absolutely healing and uplifting to me during my current challenges, uh, that I've been going through that I was describing a little bit of earlier. He is so single minded. And so, you know, in, in yoga philosophy, the, it's described as one pointed, uh, focused on his mission and his message and his, the conversation is your thoughts are actual commodities. They produce your world. And it's so hard for us to get that. And of course, with our chaotic world, our thoughts are chaotic. And so everything's a mess. And it seems like, how could I ever control my thoughts so that I can manifest my world? And, you know, if you listen to enough Wayne Dyer, you, you get it. <laughs> You start to get it, and and there's a lot of others out there too, of course. Yeah. But that's just where I've been lately. Is I've, I'm listening to his uh, "I Can See Clearly Now" book. They put that out on Audible, and um, nine ways to keep your life in balance, or nine something about life in balance. But yeah, it it all makes so much sense, and I never would have understood even the possibility of being able to think your world into reality without meditation because right. with meditation and in the ancient yogis said by the way the exact same thing Wayne Dyer said they just said it in Sanskrit and it's really hard to understand through right. five five thousand year old writings but it's the exact same thing that the mind is in the most powerful tool that we have and when you sit when you meditate when you do yoga when you have a centering practice, it doesn't have to be a seated silent meditation practice. But when you have a practice that allows you to be present, you learn to quiet your mind and then you're able to focus your attention and create your world. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. <clears throat> My wife and I were talking about this. Couple of thoughts here. So one, definitely listen to Liam's podcast appearance. When I release it tomorrow, because we literally had this conversation. <clears throat> but two, it's interesting. I think we have to start thinking about things a little differently. Like I think about thoughts as currency. Thought thoughts are money to me, in a sense. It's 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 my currency. Like my med I meditate, but my podcast is meditation for me. Like listening to you talk, having these conversations two, three times a week recorded, it's centering to me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm gaining tremendous amounts of information and insight from people on a weekly basis, like crazy amounts of stories, insights, and it reverberates inside of me. And it gives me new ways of thinking and expanding my mind on a regular basis. This is my meditation a yeah, lot of times. Absolutely. And, but our thoughts are a currency. You think about like how we speak to each other, how we say things, how we project you know, those thoughts into words, that's, that's currency. That is how you feel about things, you know, your presentation of yourself to the world and stuff. And I think that there's just, we talk about now we're in the age of, of kind of like personal data. I'm mm -hmm. not sure how much you check out on this, but I've just heard a lot about it essentially about like, now there's this big movement to protect your personal data. You know, the internet takes your data, you type in stuff and then it like, algorithms and all this stuff. And it's like, hey, 
companies are buying my data and yeah. using it against me, basically to want me to buy things, this and that. Oh, and yeah. I take it a deeper level and like, well, but your thoughts are, are a currency as well. And that's something like what you say, how you project yourself, that, that means something, how you're creating your world. Part of it is what you say and mm -hmm. how you project. I'm very aware of what I'm saying on this podcast and what I'm putting out there. I want to say the things I'm saying. I want to present myself this way. I don't want to have a scripted show. I want to have a conversation. I, that's the currency of the show. Well, and, and, a, and a conscious conversation. Yes. Where we're, we're realizing, understanding, and existing in, you know, the fact that our words are powerful, that our thoughts have meaning. And that it, it is, it, it, you know, Maya Angelou, I listened to uh -huh. a, an a interview between her and Oprah. And she said that no one was ever allowed to use curse words in Maya Angelou's house. She mm -hmm. would actually throw them out of the house for using curse words. Yeah. Because she felt that they were so powerful. Um, she could, I, the image I got was that she could see them, that they actually look like ugliness coming, floating through the air. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree with that particular thing. Yeah. Um, I tried giving up swearing, but it was just too fucking, <laughs> too fucking hard. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I, I did try. And, and my mouth is definitely, my words are much more cared for now. So I throw in the occasional F-bomb. A well-placed F-bomb is very effective. I'm yes. sorry. It just is. So Maya would have kicked me out of her house, sadly. Yeah, me too. Because I really would have loved <laughs> to have dinner with her. But um, I do think that that, that sort of thing, uh, especially for people like me, I'm an empath. I'm incredibly sensitive. When somebody is talking to me, even if they're not trying to be mean to me, but they're being really intense about a bad situation in their life or something that they really are uncomfortable, you know, back to the things aren't how they want them to be. Um, I can feel it as if they're like spitting darts at me. Right. So I do try in, and when I, when I teach yoga and I teach meditation, I always touch on that. It, it gets a little woo-woo, you know. You can't yeah. bring, bring Wayne Dyer into every conversation. But right. uh, I know this podcast has gone all over the place. So I, I'm it's totally I don't, fine. I don't have anything. I, you know, <laughs> I'll hold back it's all good. But um, I, I do really try to get people to understand, especially when you're in meditation, uh, when I'm teaching meditation, I feel like that's a very sacred time and that I have to be incredibly careful with my words because people are very vulnerable when they're in that quiet space. And for most people, it's the only time they're in that quiet space is right. when they come to my meditation classes. And so I make sure that I am incredibly careful with the words that I choose, that, that there are no barbs. I try to use words that have no barbs that have right. no judgment, that have no negative connotation, although you can't control all of that because everyone comes from a different place and you don't know what words might upset them. I mean, you may say Oregon Ducks, and that could really piss some people off. <laughs> well, especially if you're an Oregon State fan. I yes. Mean, come on. 
it gets uh, crazy. Know. I've I've been unfriended on Facebook years ago when I used to post about the ducks all the time. <laughs> I didn't know you had this like thing about the Oregon ducks. <laughs> well, it's because I don't anymore. But for <laughs> for most of my life, they were a huge part of my world. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, now man. I don't even watch Darian. I don't even watch TV anymore. I don't watch football. <laughs> it, it's just. I've changed so much since those days, but I believe what was going on in retrospect now is that was a, a self-soothing thing for me. I could get, you know, I would jump up and down and yell at the TV and throw things and, uh, <laughs> you know, really get a lot of emotions out about the ducks. And, yeah. and when they had bad years, I would suffer. Yeah. But I, and I think that, yeah, now I I just I don't need that anymore. I mean, I still wish them well, certainly, but I <laughs> don't yeah. anger the Oregon fans, okay? Come on, no, I love you, Ducks fans. <laughs> Lots of people going to those games, man. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not me anymore. Yeah, sure, for sure. Wow, it's it's you know what I love about these conversations is um, just the opportunity to grow with people like. I had a real plan when I started this podcast. I was like, you know, I want to talk to a lot of people and a lot of different folks. And and I had this one space in my mind that I would always said, I want to have a few people back on here and there. Like there's a couple special people that they need to be on several times. And, you know, I kind of had listened to a lot of podcasts that there were that had lasted podcasts that have really lasted a long time. And they would always bring back like, you know, like two or three people that I was like, man, why is this person on their podcast? Like every year they're on two or three times, you know? And, and I just started thinking, I know why, because they have a real connection. There's something special about those people when they get together and they just want that person on their show regularly because it feels, feels like home for them. Mm. And I know that every time I have you on, it feels like home. I know it's going to be easy. It's, I mean, none of it's really hard for me ever, but some of it, you know, a little more, it, a little more preparation for me on some way. This, I could just, I just roll in, I roll out of bed, roll right into it. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. It's effortless to speak with you, Michelle. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Of course. Appreciate that. And we, we do it off air too. I mean, yeah, we had exactly. a phone conversation whenever it was a couple weeks ago. I was like, yeah. we went some places partway through our phone conversation. Oh, shoot. I wish we would have been recording this. This yeah. was good. This was yeah. good stuff. <laughs> and it's not always common to have chemistry and talking with somebody over and over again. And sometimes you're like, we're done here. This was a good time. <laughs> you know, it was very pleasant, but I'm very, um, tuned into when I want to speak to somebody several times. And um, I felt that pretty immediately with you. I know it's going to sound like a lovey-dovey fest. I got it. <laughs> but if you're listening, deal with it, okay? It's just how it's going to be. And, well, if uh, you're so, listening, you probably have people in your life that you feel that way yeah. about, too. Like, I had a conversation just the other day um, with a woman in person. We actually met in person for tea believe it or not. It was not yeah. a, tech, a technology conversation. And when I left, when, when we were done, I was just so uplifted. And I'm thinking this person is going to be part of my life 
and I'm going to make sure that she is yeah. part of my life because, yeah, it's just like what you're talking about. You flow with people. You do. You do. It's, uh, it does, you know, for me, it doesn't devalue other people. Like I love all the conversations I have on the podcast, but I think it's just, you just kind of feel it. You just kind of know like, Hey, <clears throat> and I know I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have Michelle back on mm-hmm. for sure. And I'm going to have you on again. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's just, you know, because you're at different points in your life. And I also think there's a real value in an audience seeing uh, a guest grow on a, on a, on a podcast or certain media, like, Oh man, I remember when Michelle was on last year and she was talking about this. Now she's talking about this. Look where she's at in her life now. Like the growth process people, I think the following your story is going to be an interesting quest for people. I know it is for me. Um, so I can't be the only one that's thinking this, you know? (laughs) So I just think it's a, it's a real pleasure. It's a real honor. Um, and thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it, Michelle. Me too. Yeah, I, I love what you said about growing. It's developing a relationship, and the relationship keeps growing. So if the listeners are listening to more than one podcast by the same with the same guest, mm-hmm. then yeah, you, you get to share in that growth and change, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? I believe it's completely all about that, and that's what... Mm-hmm. Um, what the show is about it's about growing and hopefully just like like you had you you know last time we talked off here you gave me you know some feedback about that my listening my deep listening has improved and all that stuff and and it's just repetition you know it's just doing it regularly and learning okay how do i want to interact with the guests a little bit more how do i want to step back a bit more and listen so all that stuff's very valuable to me and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I think that you, you bring up a really good point that all the listeners can benefit from. Uh, when you said deep listening, that is one of the things, if you read the relationship books or, and I'm sure your um, podcast guests who have been on talking about relationships, mm-hmm. when you are present with someone, when you're just, listening to what they say and instead of waiting for them to stop talking so you can say what you had planned to say but actually jump the fence into their side right Mm -hmm. so instead of staying over here and then having a conversation that doesn't include actual interaction just you say when you're done talking i'm going to talk when i'm done talking you know kind of like uh i don't know maybe a political debate not that Mm -hmm. we want to bring that up right now but um I think that that is the most valuable thing that you can bring to someone is your presence, your actual presence. You're putting the phone down, looking in their eyes, listening to what they're saying and feeling what they're saying and taking you out of the equation while they're talking, not, not waiting for them to stop talking so that you can give your opinion of what they were saying. And, and Darren, you have done this several times during this conversation, but during our, all of our conversations where you're, I know that you're listening to me, not with your next question on your agenda, but to see how it plays out and see what you can get deeper into. Do you see what I mean? You're on my side of the fence of the conversation. You're yes. over here having tea yeah. with me instead of just We're waiting for me to finish. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. That's the biggest gift I think we can give anyone is is our our present, our deep listening, our presence. 
it's definitely something you know learning over time I've, I've definitely had to learn it i'm still learning it and sometimes part of that deep listening i think for the listeners to understand is sometimes you're going to hear in some of these conversations where let's say michelle tells me something or any guest and then i pause for like two or three seconds so it's like dead air it's not that i don't know what i want to say next it's just like it's resonating with me you know and then the question literally just pops in my mind. That's why I don't like scripting anything because sometimes if you just script stuff, then you're, you become a prisoner to whatever's written down for you to talk about. And you may want to go, you may want to explore something different. Like I didn't come on here thinking we're going to talk about like, you know, your romantic love life and meeting somebody that I had no clue we were going to go there. It doesn't matter to me. It's going to go wherever it's going to go. And I'm going to, I'm going to flow with it wherever it goes. And then the questions will reveal themselves as you're telling me about what's happen happening. That's the superpower. That's it. That it's is just that's... listening. Yeah. Well, and, and when you let it flow like that, when you do the deep listening and the questioning, the conversation gets to be created by the higher source, right? It gets to be created by our soul connection, by our hearts, rather than the ego mind that likes to control everything. And the, the creation, the, this conversation that we've created is going to reach so many more people in a deeper way because that's what they crave. You know, not, not just the agenda, uh, all the other podcasts I've been on which I've been on several since I was on mm -hmm. yours. You were my first. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome. But there's been, I've felt a little bit disappointed because I'll answer a question in, in a way to me that feels expansive. Like I have, I have begun to create something with this answer. And then it's just cut off and we go on to the next question. And I'm, I feel, I mean, it, it's still been a great experience, but I noticed the difference and this can help anyone who's listening to this, imagine that that image I was just saying about coming onto my side of the fence. If you're having a conversation with someone and you're letting them expand into it, and this is something we learn as coaches. Uh, that's, that's where I first was uh, exposed to this active listening um, method, but it, it's, some people just come by it naturally. If you let the person expand into the conversation in an organic way, which is what you do, Darian, on your podcast, you get so much more out of them. You get so much deeper. And, and if you do it with presence, you are letting the universe speak through us. So the, the messages that we're getting out are the true messages that people need to hear and not just some inorganic agenda that, that we want to get through so that we can get the, public, the podcast published. I, um, it's interesting. Most of the ones that I've been a guest on, they are like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And, um, I find it incredibly hard to, I mean, it's not hard for me to do it, but I think of myself, like me hosting one versus another person doing it. I find that, um, I don't know how you can understand somebody in 20 minutes and like really get like, I like with you, I need like, 10 of these episodes to get a decent picture <laughs> of Michelle Collins. Seriously, we could have 10 hours of conversation. We'd still be learning constantly more about you. And, you know, I have a couple I'm going to be coming on in, 
I just did one that just came out and it was like almost two hours. And the, the guy that did it is a young guy in college and he was, he loves this type of format and all, but we learned so much. Yeah. And I just think it's hard when you restrict people to like, okay, we got 15 minutes, you know, uh, we're going to edit some stuff down. We're going to put it out. It's just, that's just a soundbite to me. That's not a fully formed conversation, in my opinion. Doesn't mean yeah. it's not good. It's just a soundbite. It's basically. a specific agenda. It's yeah. a very specific agenda. And the agenda is to get through the agenda. The agenda isn't to have a deep soul conversation that may yeah. connect with people. Um, and, and yeah, your, your podcast, it takes a commitment. People, it does. People need to maybe listen in three sessions. But I think that there's, if you can get through it, uh, you're going to get a lot more out of it. Totally. Well, unfortunately, our time is done today. I sound like <laughs> a therapist here, right? Our time is done. <laughs> like, yeah. I got to go get a haircut. <laughs> and so I actually drive into Canada to get my haircut. So I have to go over the border, the whole deal. But oh, I have Nexus. So funny. So I know. I can't find a good place to get a haircut all, all, all the time here. I mean, I had somebody... She might be listening to this. I don't know. But, you know, uh -oh. um, it's been okay. But, you know, I wanted to try some other stuff. So, uh, you know, I'll deal with those consequences if it happens, you know. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. It was just very enriching and uh, just gives me a lot of joy to speak with you, uh, Michelle Collins. So thank you. Yeah, me too, Darian. I look forward to our next one. You got it. I'll speak. We'll speak again soon. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks. Keep Bye. up the good work. You got it. Thank you. <laughs> okay.